0: Today I am upstairs at Civil Life Brewery, sitting across from Jake Hafner, the owner of the brewery. Jake, last week when I sat down at a
1: table, I had to describe what the table looked like. So tell us what about these tables. Our buddy Jim Woolrab is a great carpenter, and we actually got uh, all the tables are made out of ash. There's flooring made of ash and all the woodwork on the side and behind the bars. Jim Woolrab did all of it. And uh, we got it all from Burkharts, which is also here in uh, South City. And there's uh, no medium that you can put on the walls that I think makes people feel more comfortable than uh, kind of warm wood. And that's what we've uh, kind of decorated our place with, I guess. So
0: I would agree. Warm wood, that's a great description yeah. of it. Now, we also have to describe what we're drinking.
1: Uh, right now we're drinking the Oktoberfest, which is our number one selling seasonal and uh, always comes out in early August, and they, like everything, they try to push it earlier and earlier, but uh, Oktoberfest in Germany is one of the greatest uh, beer events in the world, and we make a really traditional style of Oktoberfest. We're a little bit more on the malty side, but uh, we still have it at the brewery. It's sold out already throughout St. Louis in grocery stores and retail, but uh, you come down to the brewery, and we can definitely serve you a pint or two.
0: Mm. Oh, it's really good. i take a sip here. Mm. All right. So tell me a little bit about the history of civil life, where the name came
1: from, when it started,
0: how it all evolved.
1: So I owned a wine bar in uh, Lafayette Square called 33. And Dylan and Mike, who are uh, Dylan's the head brewer, and Mike is kind of our operations, uh, does everything guy and guy that we cannot operate without for sure. Uh, And myself, uh, they both work for me there. And then Dylan was a really great home brewer, and around the time I was looking for something new to do, and so I ended up selling that. And Dylan, Mike, and I uh, founded the Civil Life in 2011. The name comes from a really great friend of mine. His name's Tuan Lee, and he doesn't live in St. Louis any longer. I think he kind of captured it best because a sign of a civil life is drinking fine ales, you know. And I think that is the background for how we treat people and how we, you know, go about our business. And and hopefully, uh, as Anybody that watches the news or anything knows that we could probably use more civility in the world. You think? Yeah. So, And we've actually done this. Uh, we've got this little sign, too, that is the guy's head of our logo. And it says, just be civil on it, underneath it. And you may have seen those around town. Definitely. Um,
0: in the neighborhood, be civil.
1: Yeah, or oh, just, oh, just a constant reminder. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Driving around, please. Yep. Just be civil.
1: And uh, I, I tell people it's a reminder for me, too.
0: During the pandemic, you guys were closed. The tap room was closed, and it was closed for a long time. I mean, it was closed until this year. Correct. So tell me about what your strategy was during the Mm -hmm. pandemic, because now you've
1: expanded coming out of it. So I'm really curious as all that (laughs) came out. I'm kind of curious how it's going to work out. (laughs) So when the pandemic hit, uh, we had been trying to do a much bigger expansion, which failed in 2019, which was like a $2 million building on the property that failed so sadly you know as 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 everybody knows like it's hard like we had to lay off all of our bartending staff we're able to keep all of our brewers uh but we just i just knew at that time we didn't really have good jobs for our bartenders and, uh, and then we began the process of uh, redoing the whole outside. So every square inch of this property on the exterior was touched except for the two pillars that are in front. So it was a complete remake of the outside with uh, massive new beer gardens that seat about 250 people now. And a much upgraded inside, too, where we refinished the floors, put in sound panels and new tap lines and uh, repainted. So between that and this massive space outside, and if you uh, see pictures of it, you come down, you'll see just the amount of, like, flowers and, and things we planted to make it very comfortable space. Well, I have to say, I see you out
0: outdoors in <laughs> the hot sun watering those flowers <laughs> as I drive it's, by or stop by. Yeah.
1: It's either me or someone else, <laughs> one of my staff doing it when they say it takes a village to raise a kid, they also takes a village to run a bar <laughs> and uh, uh yeah, the summer's been brutal, but uh if you look at the flowers uh, it, it'll tell Ooh. you if you water something even when it's hot, it will stay alive. very
0: uh, good. We're talking gardening here too, so uh not just beer <laughs> um and you didn't you failed to mention the kitchen now, oh. I remember the kitchen was the size of this table, right. I mean it was tiny, <laughs> just in the corner. <laughs> You couldn't even fit two people back there. And now you have, like, what, a million-dollar kitchen?
1: Right, yeah, yeah. It is definitely a, It's about 900 square feet now as opposed to, I think it was about 65 square feet. Uh, we're sandwich-focused, some nice appetizers. We're not a full restaurant, and we try to you know do things that kind of pair well with the sessionable-type beers that we were known for as well.
0: Back before the pandemic, you had soup Sundays. It was so popular. Yeah. Are you bringing that back?
1: Sundays are coming back. All uh, right. So soup Sundays are coming back in October, and uh, and also want to mention too, I did not uh, talk about my strategy for getting through the pandemic, and I forgot about oh, that. Oh, no, it's okay. And uh, I think my strategy, when I look back on it, was just hold on tight and keep my head above water, and we've just barely done that, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're uh, in this new game of. Uh, this a uh, much expanded facility trying to get more people down to experience the civil life and, and enjoy the place.
0: This is probably a question that if I asked anyone else in the world, it'd be like, you'd look at me, when I have two heads. But you have, someone stole your giraffe story. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> when our uh, first project failed, we uh, had to fenced an area where we were going to be cons- begin construction. So as a joke, I put two metal dinosaurs over there, but our anniversary party that year... There were a few eggs by the dinosaurs, so I took those eggs, I threw them over me, two more dinosaurs pop out, and then the last one, we repainted that egg, and it was a giraffe that popped out. (laughs) And also, these are all metal animals. We got them from Gringo Jones, another great South City institution. Uh, So anyway, so then we had that giraffe in the middle of this uh, big area. We took down the fence, and I thought, nobody's going to steal my giraffe.
0: I mean, it's a life-size giraffe. Yeah,
1: it's it's 16 feet. Yeah, (laughs) uh, But yeah, uh, as in South City, it it got lifted. (laughs) And uh, someone with a 10-foot box truck, and there's a great TikTok video of it going down Highway 55 uh, 10 minutes after it left here with its head stuck sticking six feet out of a 10-foot box truck. And uh, luckily, uh, the police were able to find it. We we did get the draft back. Uh, if you are here, that draft, we were trying to fit it in the bigger patio, but that, that one we put in the alley right now to guard over the alley. and You can see its head kind of peeking out. But we also purchased an emotional support draft for when it returned, and that's the <laughs> draft that you see in the front with the dinosaurs and we have this really cool little Giraffic uh, park sign. My buddy Joe Alhoff, who's a, a sign painter in the area, uh, painted for us. So
0: let me make sure you, I repeat that: Giraffic park. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> there's uh, some nuns that live real close to here, and they they named that or coined that term for us.
0: Very good. All right. Well, let's talk about beer. Um, tell me about your thought process when I look at your menu. It seems like there's. Thinking behind
1: it, it's not just a random collection of beers. Am I right? I think the the overall brewing philosophy really comes from Dylan, who's our head brewer, and Mike really drive that. And uh, and and it all comes back to the way we used oh. to drink when we hung out after work. And we found ourselves really reaching for these more sessional type beers that are really well balanced. And I think that's really something that we've uh, really honed in on. And there's something really beautiful about a well-balanced beer. I think sometimes it's easy to add so much of whatever one flavor it is, whether it's hops or, and make a, you know, single dimensional beers that, that it really kind of attack your palate are big and they're interesting in a sense, but they're also, they also could do something more, I think. And we try to find that little balance in between there where you get some malt, you get some hops and try to use really uh, the ingredients, yeast strains and, and grains from whatever country of the beer we're making. So most of the beers we have, uh, except for just a few, are really named by style. So uh, whether it's a German Kolsch or German wheat uh, or English, you know, and we make a lot of English beers too. So, um, well, I was going to say, yeah,
0: definitely the English, uh, you can see that in the, in the menu and also the German and the European. But the thing that also sticks out to me is... The alcohol content is considerably lower than a lot of places. A lot of places will have beers that are in the five percent range, but then they'll go all the way up to ten or twelve. Here, you only go up to six. Is there a
1: reason behind that? Yeah, it kind of falls back to that that philosophy of uh, just well balanced beers. And I think too, as you get higher in uh, alcohol and beer, that alcohol note kind of st- stands out more. You can get a lot of uh, varied amount of flavors in that in those ranges too, but. Those are beers you really can't sit down and have a few with friends. and I think our uh, the beers we make are also meant to be designed to be at your table at dinner and be at your you know around a pub where you can sit and talk to someone for a few hours. And these styles are definitely English driven. Um, you know if you go to an English pub, You know, you'll hardly find a a traditional English pub. You hardly find a beer over 4.5%. And
0: having been to English pubs and Irish pubs, I can testify that yes, people do sit around drinking beer for hours and
1: hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the stories get better after hours. They do. They do do get better. Rarely do you sit right down and have the best story of the night. They
0: do get better. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to point out one beer that's on your list that I have never seen before the Australian Sparkling Ale. Tell me about that.
1: So the sparkling ale—it uh, kind of became our uh, like hit of the summer, and uh, we we used a hop uh, from New Zealand in it. Interesting, this is Australian sparkling ale, but uh, <laughs> the hop is uh, called Brawaka and sparkling is really just a. You know, a nod to kind of a higher level of CO2 in the beer too, which makes it a little bit creamier, kind of on the head. Uh, and this is still falls in kind of a light, uh, light, medium-bodied character. But with the hops for it brought out some uh, really interesting, like more, kind of more earthier flavors originally, and that hops kind of morphed a little bit into a little bit more kind of floral. And uh, it's been really interesting to kind of drink the beer over the summer and see it slightly evolve. But um, it has become a huge hit, and there's really, uh, you know, we look back at this Australian sparkling style, there's only one brewery that I knew that, like, really did this well, and it was called Cooper's. And uh, they make Mm. a sparkling ale that has been around for years. Where do you think the St. Louis beer scene is at at this moment? Is it saturated? Does it still have room for growth? There's a ton of great breweries here, and luckily we're uh, also—all of the small breweries are also uh, quite friendly, too, and I think that's really a nice nod to just the community here. Uh, And so you'll see a lot of breweries uh, at our brewery, and then we'll go to a lot of the other breweries in town, too, to support each other, Uh, because in a sense, like all of the small breweries really are in it together. Um, the market is no doubt super competitive. I mean, we haven't grown our distribution in six years or so of any like considerable amount. It's a, we're really kind of stagnant in that area, and so that was part of the reason of building out a much nicer facility here. Because if we're going to make it, this is the place that we can serve our beers properly. We can engage ourselves with the customers, and we can kind of create an experience that's you know natural to the civil life. I do note that you don't have any TVs. I had assumed that was part of
0: the whole community vibe. Mm -hmm. Everybody being in a pub together. Let's talk. We don't need to be distracted by a TV. But then with the Cardinals making a a playoff run here and maybe the blues. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would think there might be a moment when you would want to have a TV so that people could gather because that is also a community
1: thing. Right. And (laughs) I, you've hit that correctly on the, exactly on the head of that. So uh, we are hoping to have uh, every, whenever the Cardinals do make the world series, once it goes on to network television, we always put it on and, uh, and the blues too, anything like that. Uh, You can't deny how great of a sports town this is. And there's nothing better than drinking beer and, watching sports so <laughs> in some of those cases uh luckily our beers on tap at a lot of great uh sports bars uh like for example amsterdam tavern up there <laughs> up the street oh yeah sells tons of our beer and they're uh they've got every sport imaginable on uh for us not having tvs is uh, you know it's interesting if you put a tv on in a bar and you sit five people down the, the the amount of times those five people random people may talk to each other goes down drastically if you don't have a TV on. Conversations strike up a lot easier, I think, and and that's uh I think just a, a, what a true classic pub does well.
0: Well, Jake Hafner, it's been a pleasure sitting here, drinking a little bit of beer, talking about beer and your brewery, Civil Life. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Now, thanks for having us, uh, and just a big shout out to everybody at Came there. Thank you for having us.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt, Hi-ya! and even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs>